The Lord's Church needs devoted disciples. We need to recognize as we enter into this new century that there are many challenges besetting the church. In order for God's institution to be able to fulfill his mission for it, Christians need to be doing their work. It should be obvious to any with discernment that a primary need is devotion on our part as individual Christians. Webster's New World Dictionary, in describing the nuances of the term devote, states, Devote suggests the giving up or applying of oneself, or something with the seriousness or earnestness evoked by a formal vow. In other words, to devote one's life to a cause. No other phrase defines the essence of discipleship better than the giving up or applying of oneself. Think about the Apostle Paul's sentiment, for example, as recorded in Galatians 2.20. He wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It must be stated that the only true disciple of Christ is the devoted disciple of Christ. What is needed is an understanding of what constitutes true devotion. The idea of devotion has given rise to quite an industry in our day. Uh, one need only to go to a, a religiously oriented bookstore to see this. Books which foster serious Bible study, helpful tools to the true learner, well, they're in short supply. But the shelves are instead filled with devotional books, books that make the reader feel good, make him feel closer to God, make him feel closer to his brethren. And while I would not deny that such books have their place, I fear that we may lack true understanding of what constitutes genuine devotion to God. This misunderstanding has given rise to a feel-good approach to religion in our day. So many are content with their 15-minute morning devotional, which consists of a short passage of scripture on a particular theme, a morning prayer, and a thought for the day. And they feel after they have spent their quiet time with God, they have shown their devotion to Him and have fulfilled their spiritual duties for the day. God's forgotten, as the more pressing matters of the day descend. Or some are content to give God only the time that has been reserved for worship services and expend very little energy on spiritual matters the rest of the week. Well, brethren, in doing this, we're not showing true devotion. We're robbing the church of what is dearly needed in these difficult times. Perhaps an appeal to Scripture will help to remind us of what true devotion is all about. First, recognize that true devotion consists of making Christ our Lord. He is to rule in our life. Our existence, mirroring that of the apostle previously mentioned, must be centered in service to Christ. Jesus stated, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 16:24. Most are aware of the so-called conversion of the infamous Jane Roe, whose court case resulted in the legalization of abortion in 1973. Most also are aware of the fact that she is a lesbian. While listening to her in a television interview shorn short, shortly after her conversion, I heard her state that she was not going to leave her sexual partner for anyone, not even the Lord. This shows the shallow nature of her conversion. She has not yet submitted herself to God, and we need to understand that we must come to God on His terms, not our own. Any practical suggestions I might have as, as to how to develop personal devotion to God will not be effective unless you, dear listener, come to grips with the necessity of giving yourself totally to him. Can we say, as Paul did, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me? The first step to true devotion is the crucifixion of self. Now, understanding this 
Take note of the example of King David. One must only look to the Psalms of the sweet singer of Israel to see a soul deeply devoted to his God. In the 18th Psalm, David expressed this devotion. He said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. When David expressed his love, it was not mere sentiment. He could truly be stated as a man after God's own heart, because his devotion was shown in his life every day. Consider the following suggestions to help increase your devotion to the Lord. First of all, there is a need for Bible study and meditation. A devoted disciple is one who immerses himself in the word of his God. The root definition of the term disciple is a learner. Thus, a disciple of Christ is a learner of Christ. This necessitates diligent study, not the 15-minute devotion that we mentioned before, but a systematic and thorough examination of God's will for man. David expressed this sentiment in his very first psalm when he said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Paul expressed the same need to young Timothy when he wrote, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That's in his first letter to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 13. Further, he stated in verse 16, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. It's impossible to overstate the importance of Bible study. The Bible is our road map to eternity. It's the precious communication of God to man concerning his will. It's the only means of determining what he would have us to do, what he would have us to be. Bible study alone, however, is not enough, and this truth is seen in the broken lives of so many who fall into sin despite having a knowledge of right and wrong. How many elders, preachers, deacons we hear of who know what is right but don't do what is right? They're like the Jews of Romans too. Paul wrote, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. Mere knowledge is not enough. It must be yoked with application. And this speaks to the importance of meditation. I don't mean the New Age meditation gaining so much in popularity where the practitioner seeks to empty his mind. Uh, rather, I, I refer to the filling of the mind with truth. After we've learned a concept, heard a sermon, participated in a class, we need to mull it over in our minds. Ask ourselves, how can we apply it to our lives? What practical things can we do to implement this precious nugget of truth that we have obtained? How can we use this knowledge to avoid the pitfalls that our adversary has placed in our path? You know, remember what James wrote in James 1.23, verses uh, 23-25. He said, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So we need to study the word, meditate on it, and then apply it as we seek to serve our God with devotion. Another way in which we can draw closer to our God and be devoted in our practices is through prayer. It's an extremely important aspect of the devoted life. David recognized this. Indeed, many of the Psalms we have referred to are in fact prayers. 
Notice the, the following sentiments expressed by him in the first few chapters. Psalm 4.1, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me of my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Psalm 8.1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Psalm 13, verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And then Psalm 30, and verse 12, To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. You see, prayer is our means of communicating with our God. It's a blessed privilege that's afforded us as his adopted children. The poignancy of David's petitions to God it just touched the heart. He poured out his needs, his praise of the Almighty, his despair during difficult times in his life, and his thanks for the deliverance afforded him through God's providence. And these are sentiments which, as we express them, will increase our devotion to our Lord and help us to recognize our dependence upon him. Paul encouraged the Philippians to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. And finally, the practice of pure religion. James concisely stated what it is to be a devoted disciple when he wrote in James 1.27, Pure religion and undefiable for God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now this verse speaks to two main areas of the disciple's life. One, moral purity. Second, the, the compassionate concern for others. Both are necessary to the devoted Christian. In a time of ungodliness, the call for purity in life has never been more needed and more often ignored. As children of a righteous God, our lives, dress, speech, and conduct must be of the highest standard. We must not conform to the mores of the day, but rather transcend them in righteousness. And equally important is the need for a compassion and concern for others. Our Lord was most compassionate and is the supreme example for us in this. Paul forcefully stated this obligation on our part when he wrote in Galatians 6 two, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Further on in the text, in verse 10, he wrote, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And this obligation to do good, whether by helping your brother spiritually, uh, or in helping him in some physical way, as indicated in James 1.27, is part of being a devoted disciple. And we must remember that we are brothers and sisters, part of God's family, and as such we must treat one another with love and deference. Well, there are many other practical suggestions which could be given to enable us to greater devotion to Christ. However, these suffice to illustrate what truly is a devoted disciple of our Lord. A devoted disciple is a Christian who immerses himself in God's Word, who applies it daily in his walk, who prays to his God often, revealing his needs, praise, and thankfulness, who conducts himself uprightly, and who cares for and actively helps others. Now for the more difficult question, are you a devoted disciple? Because God and his church need you to be. Thanks for listening to this edition of Sound Teaching. The Sound Teaching Broadcast is brought to you by the West Side Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Stan Cox, and I am the evangelist for this family of Christians. For more information about our congregation or to find much more material for your private study, please visit our website at soundteaching.org. That's soundteaching.org. Until next time, we pray God's blessings upon you. <laughs>